want to do today, uh, last week I had a snowstorm, so I really wasn't able to do anything, actually. Uh, there was no shear. But a lot has transpired, uh, certainly in politics of the United States, but I'm not really interested in the politics of the United States. I'm really interested in the Messianic process, obviously, and I want to link it to what's happening. And uh, there is a great deal to be said about what's happened in the last two, three weeks. Uh, so this really is shear number 15, which is devoted to that entire uh, topic. Uh, it's almost like 25 hours. It's hard to believe that it's almost 25 hours of this stuff. But, um, and anyway, that's, that's what it is. <clears throat> okay. First thing I want to mention is that, uh, before I even get into it, is you have to understand some of the ideas of what Golos is. Golos obviously means exile, but exile has certain forms. Golos or exile has certain forms. In other words, when the Jews suffer, you know, under the, under, uh, under the nations of the world, basically, there are, as far as I see, there are at least seven different forms of suffering that the nations will try to do to the Jews. And that, in certain ways, will constitute their exile, their gullus, or rather the, the gullus or exile experience, which is an important idea. Let's take a look at it. Uh, the first experience, which obviously is the worst, is where the non-Jews, the Goyim, will try to kill the Jews, eliminate them. And of course, history is replete with that attempt <coughs> of the Goyim to destroy the Jews. Uh, we're not even talking about the Crusades and the Inquisition and the, uh, <coughs> the pogroms and the, uh, and the Holocaust and uh, even the Romans. The, 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 it was just terrible what they did to the Jewish people, just killed them whatever reason, whatever rationale they can come up with. <clears throat> uh, a second form of Golis is not to eliminate them, but to subjugate them. Okay? To dominate them. To declare them as inferior. And there have been, of course, many, many instances now, especially uh, under uh, Islam. Because Islam holds that the Jewish people are really demis, which are inferior people. Uh, so they didn't kill them most of the time. They just said that they're inferior and they are uh, subjugated to the whim and the laws of Islam. Uh, and there are a whole kind of bunch of laws where their, their synagogues uh, cannot be higher than a mosque. It's a whole bunch of laws that clearly manifested itself in the fact that you people are inferior. So that was their form of gullus, is inferiority and so on, you know. Um, Christianity was m much more involved in elimination of the Jews, as we know. The, the history of uh, Christianity for 2,000 years has been basically a history, actually a history of the wars of mankind, because they have started so many different wars. But it's also been a history tremendously of the slaughter of the Jewish people. The third idea, okay, you don't kill them, you don't subjugate them. Well, guess what? What's the third form of Gaulus, exile? Let's convert them, right? And Christianity has obviously been busy trying to convert Jews for who knows how long, thousand years. Uh, to get the Jews, obviously, to become Christians. This was mostly prominent at the time of the Spanish, Spain, which, of course, had the Inquisition. And the Inquisition did not kill Jews. What they really did is uh, those Jews who converted to Christianity, the Moranos, if they suspected in any way that you would revert to Judaism, they would kill you. So the Inquisition was really on these <coughs> Moranos uh, and so on. But uh, again, it's the same concept. And finally, of course, uh, you had, uh, what's his name, uh, Ferdinand and Isabella, Yemach Shemam. 
they threw out the Jews, and the Jews had been in Spain for 1,400 years. In fact, they're there belonging to many, many Spanish people. And uh, they gave them the choice, either convert, or you're out, or we kill you. Uh, and of course, uh, some Jews decided to convert, those are the Moranos, and uh, 300,000 Jews, or maybe more than that, left Spain, for which they had been there for centuries. I mean, you talk about the evil of these two people, Isabel and Ferdinand, and then that guy Torquemada, the, uh, the uh, Inquisition priest and so on. The evil of these people is just, uh, I, I think they would, have, if there was a Guinness at that time, they would probably include it in the Guinness Book of World Records about the Jewish uh, exile, the Jewish slaughter. <coughs> Jewish slaughter. Uh, anyway, so that's a third. The fourth type of exile, or Golis, is when fundamentally the Jews are equal. Well, the nation says, okay, you're equal, which is really what is in America. Jews have the same equality, um, and it, it happened in different civilizations where Jews were equal. The problem that then, of course, is always like, for instance, in Persia, where Jews fundamentally in many ways were equal, then all of a sudden you have a guy like Homan who wants to eliminate them. So it never really works out. And then even in America, where Jews are equal in the sense that we're all equal citizens, one law, one law for everybody, then what you have, of course, is the heir of Rav. And the heir of Rav, of course, tries to destroy the bond between the Torah and the Jewish people, which is really the bond, the agreement between the Rabbanu Shalom, God, and the Jewish people. And therefore, what happens as a result of that is because we're equal, all right, and we have entry to all aspects of society, basically, and under the, uh, the uh, domination, in many ways, of the, or the influence of the reformed, conservative, and reconstructionist movements, you have an incredible amount of assimilation. Assimilation, which is going on today. You have intermarriage, which is destroying the people. I think today it's 70% of the Jews are uh, intermarrying. And then you have, of course, unaffiliations, which means that Jews have nothing to do with Judaism at all. And uh, so what, in essence, what the heir of Rav has done is they have destroyed Judaism from Jews. They haven't destroyed Jews, but they've destroyed, removed the Judaism from the Jewish people. So that is a fourth type of exile, or Golis. Then what we have is that the, you know, even when the Jews want land, or they want their own country, of course you can have the nations which are going to, going to say <coughs> that you cannot have that, and so on. And uh, so that's an exile where the nations of the world deny the right of the Jewish people even to have their own country or their own nation. Of course, that changed, as I will say, but basically, uh, that, that's what it is. Um, and then, it's funny, even when they have their own nation, let's say the world is agreement with that, which there was, with the UN Charter and all that, then they tell you, well, you have to what? You have to um, divide the land. It's not even all yours. You've got to give it to the Arabs. Half of it you've got to give away to the Arabs. So, there's already a, an entire force to delegitimize Israel from the Jews, or Jews from the Israel, where they're forcing Israel to divide the land, which is, of course, is absolutely absurd, and, and so on, you know. And then, of course, the last phase of Golis is the, finally even getting the Jews to divide the land, which really is just saying to them that, well, we want you to divide it with the Arabs. We don't know which one is which, but, you know, you've got to give away. And then, of course, the Rio Swiss one, well, which I will talk about, is the fact that they have actually declared land that the Jews have had for thousands of years to be illegal. 
illegitimate and it's occupied territory, which means under international law, it is now illegal for the Jews to occupy that land. These are all forms of gullus, really. They are all forms of uh, goyim trying to, in many ways, to destroy the Jews, eliminate the Jews, you know, uh, restrict the Jews, and in, 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 in essence, basically, uh, persecution and suffering of the Jewish people. Now, we had about, uh, was it about a week ago, two weeks ago, actually, what is it? What date was that? December? Whatever, three weeks ago? Well, the UN passed a resolution, I think it's 2334, whatever, which shocked the world. It shocked everybody. Uh, we know, of course, that the UN, the Security Council, whose, whose uh, resolutions are international law, this is the problem. Uh, they, of course, said that Yehud and Shomron, uh, Judah and Samaria, and Yerushalayim, which is astounding, is occupied territory, which means that we, the Jewish people, Israel, is occupying territory which is illegal. It belongs to the Arabs. Now, this was a stunning reversal of U.S. policy that has been going on for, who knows, uh, it's been going on, you know, for, for the entire time and so on, you know. Um, and I, I'll talk a little about that, what that really, that really means for the Messianic process. Uh, and, of course, Obama was behind that. The Israelis, Israelis say that they have pr proof positive, you know, ironclad evidence that not only did they abstain, Obama abstain and the UN abstain, but that Obama actually instigated the world, the nations, to introduce that resolution, which of course is going to come out when Trump is president, but uh, it, it was just an incredible move. The question is, what is that supposed to do, or which which form of gullus is that? That's an interesting idea, you know. When the UN comes out with that resolution, what form of gullus is it? Which of the seven? So uh, you know, I would like to say that that form really is the worst. It's to eliminate the Jews. The question is why? All they said, really was that this territory is occupied, right? How it's going to eliminate the Jews? Because if you think about it, so that's really the worst form of, of Golis. How it will do that? Well, what's important to remember, which is amazing because nobody seems to get it. It's just incredible to watch the stupidity of people who study this area. The Arabs can never make peace with the Jews. This is a myth. Why? And obviously, they've never made peace, you know, for many reasons. But the most important reason, which I once mentioned, is because the Arabs are forbidden to make peace with the Jews, which really means to give back them back Israel, because theologically, they cannot make peace, because any lands that they inhabited must belong to Islam. Therefore, it is forbidden by the Quran to make peace with the Jews, which means that they are entitled to be in Israel. Uh, and therefore, theologically, it is impossible. It's against the Quran. So that's number one. The second thing is anybody who ever made peace with the Jews will be assassinated. That's what Arafat once told, uh, I think it was Clinton when they were trying to do something with Oslo. So he said, well, what's the story here? Why don't you just, you know, agree to it and so on, you know? And Arafat said, if he ever did that, he would be assassinated one day. Which is true. So therefore, they were all afraid to be assassinated. Okay, and the third reason is probably one of the strongest, and that is that if they agree to peace with the Jews, which means they would have to recognize the legal existence of Israel, 
that would become international law because that would be agreed to by the entire UN, by the entire Security Council, and that would become international law, which means that the, the Arabs can never recant, which means to overturn or reverse that idea, because it's again, Israel would own Israel according to international law, and the Arabs cannot reverse it, because then they, would, they themselves would be violating international law. It's not reversible. And therefore, if they did try to bomb Israel and so on, then based on international law, Israel can now, of course, go to war with them and, and wipe them out. So therefore, for those three reasons, it cannot be, you see. So, so therefore, the Arabs can never make peace. So what the UN has basically done, which we will understand, is by giving these lands to the Arabs, all it means, if the Arabs ever get these lands, right, is that they will now use Yehud and Shomron and Jerusalem as a launching pad, right, to destroy Israel. All it does is bring them closer to Israel to really destroy Israel. <coughs> so what in the world are they thinking? That's all it means. But it just shows you what's called the obtuseness of the UN and all those people who so-called Middle East experts and so on. They don't understand that peace is impossible for Arabs. In any case, so therefore, what we now understand is that the UN resolution is really a resolution of, ultimately, of elimination, which is the first, the worst form of Gullus. This is what we, we understand. Well, let's take a look at the UN. Let's try to understand. How do we understand it according to the Torah? Look, the UN is a body that represents all the nations of the world that we know. And it, in many ways, and I feel that's really what it is, it's very similar to Egypt. You know, we have to realize something, that Israel is a leader, a world leader. I mean, it's amazing that a tiny country, 8 million people, is a world leader in many ways. In agriculture, they are, they lead, they are, they are experts in agriculture. And they're a world leader in agricultural you know, methods. Water conservation, because obviously they live in the desert and so on, you know. A lot of the territory is desert. They are world leaders in, in, uh, in water conservation, desalination, exactly. Reverse osmosis and so on. Yeah, and of course how to grow hydroponics and so on. They're also world leaders in, uh, in uh, IT, information technology. I mean, they have more startups in Israel than the entire Europe combined. And a great deal of it is in IT, information technology. I mean, there's so much stuff coming out of the country, it's incredible. They're also a world leader in medical applications. It's incredible what these guys discover. You know, new discoveries coming out of that place like every week that revolutionize <coughs> med medical treatments, you know. Uh, so they are a world leader in that. And then you have in, in armaments and in engineering technology and so on and so forth. There, there are so many ways that they are world leaders, you know. What does that mean? The Arabs hate them for that. They are incredibly jealous of Israel, that Israel is a nation, its economy is doing very well, you know, and uh, we don't even know how many nations hate the Jews because they're jealous of a nation that's only 8 million people and have become a world leader in so many different areas, and I, I'm not even mentioning all the areas and so on, you know. Um, so there's an enormous amount of hatred, sinner, of the nations of the world against Israel which is fueled tremendously, not only by anti-Semitism in general, but by enormous amount of uh, jealousy. So if you think about it, what the UN really is doing is what's called the resurgence. 
Let's take a look. By Kriya Samsuf, you know, Pharaoh was destroyed in Egypt. Why did he all of a sudden decide to go after the Jews? What's his problem? Because in the end, hey, this is cheap labor. The, the Jews constituted an incredible source of cheap labor. So what he wanted to do is redominate the Jewish people to make them subservient. You see? So again, you find that Goyim are always involved, even if they have to give up, there's a resurgence to try to take them over again. And in a certain sense, you know, the UN, it's a resurgence, again, of trying to eliminate the Jewish people, which the world has been trying to do for thousands of years. Second thing is also very interesting. When Moshe Rabbeinu came, Pharaoh was the one, Pharaoh was the one who didn't want to do the, uh, let the Jews go, right? So when God decided to bring the makas, the, the plagues, you know, the, the blows against Egypt and so on, you know, so the question is, wait a minute, it's, it's Pare's fault. What do you want from us? So what Dumasha wanted to show is that the whole Egypt hates the Jews. So therefore he wanted to extend the culpability, the guilt, of not allowing the Jews to go out, not only from Pare, but from, and Pare and his you know, immediate uh, palace and all that, but the entire Egypt. And therefore when he brought the, the plagues, the Makas, he could do it to the entire Egypt without having to apologize. How? Because when Moshe came, right, Paris said, well, they are idle, therefore what I want, therefore, is the Jews not only have to make bricks, but they will have to gather the straw that allows them to make the bricks. So therefore what happened is the Jews couldn't sleep. They were now were busy in doing what? They had to go throughout the entire world, or rather the entire Egypt, to go and find straw. And what do you think happened? They were going to some, some Egyptian's territory, and the guy said, hey, get out, throw you out. It was they were thrown out again and again by the Egyptians themselves. Every time they were trying to gather straw, even though if they didn't meet their tally, of course it would be terrible for that person. You see, so therefore it showed that the sinner, the hatred of the Egyptians was demonstrated by that act, which the Bonsham purposely <coughs> did, and that's why he had Pharaoh make that decree, among other, and of course, there are other reasons, because he wanted to intensify the punishment, the suffering to accelerate the messianic process. Therefore, he's able to make culpable or guilty the entire Egypt. So when he brought the Makas to Egypt, it would be the entire Egypt. You see, think about that. The UN, who knows how many people hate the Jews, really, deep down. Yeah, they may want to work with them, but really deep down, they despise the Jews. Therefore, when the Security Council and the General Assembly, when they pass an edict F against the Jews and a resolution against the Jews, it, 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 it brings together all the nations of the world. So therefore, when God will ultimately take the comma, right, retribution, revenge, whatever, against the nations of the world, then he will take it against all the nations, right? Because the UN represents all the nations. You see, so in a certain sense, the UN extends the guilt, the evil, okay, and the culpability of all the nations because through the vehicle of the UN, they're able to do it. Interesting concept of one of the ideas of the UN, you see. So therefore, no nation can say, well, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? You were in the General Assembly, you probably voted against Israel and so on and so forth, and then not only that, the Security Council represents you, and you agreed with all of that, and, and therefore you're all guilty. And therefore the Bershman will be able to exact 
you know, retribution and revenge against all the nations of the world, basically. Which is an interesting concept in terms of the UN. But there's several other ideas that, you know, and I really want to get to much more of the messianic process, although it's really all part of it. What the UN has done, in a certain sense, is that they have accelerated, or rather, they have fulfilled the end prophecy of the Mashiach. If you remember in Yechezkel Lamed Ches, Perak Lamed Ches 38, Yechezkel talks about the war of Goig and Magoig against the Jews. Goig is an individual from the land of Magoig, and he will attack the nation of Israel. Okay, especially not only in Israel, but also Yerushalayim. Uh, and this is the famous final war, the war of Goig and Magoig, which, by the way, really is a messianic war, you see. But if you think about it, who is Goig and Magoig? Okay, so the gematria of Goig and Magoig is 70. <coughs> Goig and Magoig really <coughs> represents the 70 nations. And what the UN has done, which is the 70 nations, because even though the UN has 193 nations, but the spiritual roots of all the nations are really 70. That's why Chazal always bring the concept of 70. In other words, you can have Austria, which is a nation, and Germany, which is a nation, but the root of Germany and Austria are really identical. And in that sense, Hitler was right, that Austria is, is Germany, and that's why he had the Anschluss, you know, to annex. Austria. So spiritually the nations of the world are really 70, 70 roots, okay. But even though there's 193 different political, uh, you know, entities and so on. But what the UN has done, which is amazing, is that they have brought the prophecy of, of Goig and Mogoig in Yechezkel to fulfillment. You see, and that's what's lacking. That's really, and in a certain sense, was lacking. So now even that prophecy has a tremendous fulfillment you see. Then besides that, once you do that, guess what? You accelerate the messianic process. That's what it is. Once that prophecy is fulfilled, right, you have accelerated the messianic process, which is interesting. So even before Trump takes office, what happens is that the UN has actually accelerated the messianic process by fulfilling that end prophecy at the end of time, which is in many ways amazing. But there's also something else which is very interesting, which is astounding actually, and I'm going to talk about that. The UN resolution ends the two-state solution permanently, if you realize that and I'll explain. It ends the two, and the two-state solution, as you will see, is a sword that hangs over the neck of Israel, you see, because even Israel agreed Netanyahu agreed to the two-state solution. And the UN effectively dismantled, canceled, and neutralized that entire solution, which is astounding. And I will explain, uh, you know, uh, what that means. Um, and this is even before Trump takes office, which is really the beginning of the Tahara, the purification of Esau, from the evil of Esau, the Rasha Esau, of Edom, to the Toif Esau which is the good part of Esau and so on, you know. So uh, that, in a certain sense, is really what's happened. Um, and let's take a look at that. So messianically, the UN resolution is significant in those two terms. That has ended the possibility of a two-state solution. And the second thing 
is that he has accelerated the messianic process by ushering in the prophecy of Yechezkel himself, which is interesting, very important concept, and so on. So it's like we don't even have to wait anymore. You know, we already see the 70 nations, also known as the UN, already beginning to gang up on the Jewish people, you know, as, as uh, like Yechezkel said and so on, you know. But let's take a look at, the, at this, uh, you know, a little more deeply and so on, you know. What is astounding, I find astounding, which you have to begin to realize, you know, it doesn't make sense. You want to you wanna call Judea, Judea and, and Samaria, Yehud and Shomron, occupied? Of course it's absurd. Why? Because there's no such thing as occupied territory. This is the incredible thing about what's happening. What does it mean to occupy territory? I will tell you. Let's understand something once and for all. Let's understand what an occupied territory really means. You know, if you have a nation, if you have a nation that legally is a nation, it has to be recognized legal. And then some other nation comes and, and vanquishes or takes over that territory illegally, right? That's called occupied territory, right? But if, an, if people occupy or rather reside in a place and they have no legal title called a nation and then some other people conquers that territory, that's not called occupation because there's no legal entity called nation or country. Understand that? Makes no sense. You see, <clears throat> think of it this way. Let's talk about the United States, right? You know, in the old days, the West was occupied by the Indians, or the Mexicans. You remember, the US took over the Indian territory, right? Was the, so, did anybody ever accuse the United States of occupied territory in the Indian, you know, all the way out West and so on? Of course not. Why? Because that's not a legal nation. It's not legally recognized, you know, by the formal uh, uh, nations of the world. You could say that, they, of course, there's an Indian nation in terms of nationhood, that they are people. But nobody ever said that they, that they uh, unless there's a law that says that if you occupy territory for a thousand years, whatever, wh whatever it is, right? Maybe that's what uh, grants them nationhood, whatever, you know? But did anybody ever accuse the United States of occupying <coughs> illegally the Indian nation's territory? What about Mexico? You know, Mexico used to own California. Remember, you know, remember that? Remember the Alamo? Texas, Texas and so on Texas right Sam Houston of blessed memory anyway right he took over excuse me what are you doing this belongs to Mexico in fact half the half the half these cities in in California are really Mexican Los Angeles is Mexican Spanish you know what I'm saying and in San Diego I mean these are like uh, you know Oh, San Jose. You know, I mean, you know, you think, well, America, we should have changed the name so it's not obvious where they stole it from. Why didn't somebody accuse America of doing that? You know, nobody did that. Because as long as a country doesn't legally have something, you know, uh, unless there's a law that if you occupy, if you resign something for a long time, maybe. Uh, you see, but the Arabs never, never, they resided in Israel, number one. There was no nation called Palestine. 
and so on. Uh, the nations that were then were really the Arabian lands. Uh, or maybe Syria, you know, or Saudi Arabia, which became legal after World War I, actually, and so on. But in fact, there was no such thing as Saudi Arabia or, 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 or any of these countries. You know, it was just all it was is Arab tribes, Arab clans. That's really who the Arabs were. You know, it's only after World War I, when they got rid of the Ottoman Empire, that they declared, well, you have Saudi Arabia, and you have Jordan, whatever, after World War II, whatever, and then you have, uh, you know, uh, other, other, other countries that were recognized formally. But until then, were part of the Ottoman Empire, you know. <clears throat> but there was never any country called Palestine that Arabs were in charge of. So what does it mean to occupy these territories? It's absurd. Okay. So you want to do this, okay, but you know what the real kicker in this? You, you know what the real kicker, but it's, I tell you, it's not only that. Who doesn't admit that Israel belonged to the Jews for thousands of years? Hey, it's recorded in the Tanakh. How many times? We're not a God, first of all, the, the Jews have biblical rights, where God says it's your terror, it's your land. Right? And not only that, they occupied it. David HaMelech, Shlom HaMelech, the kings of Israel. The whole Tanakh is filled with the fact that the Jews occupied Israel. Yes? What are they talking about? You see, and not only that, but think about this. There are two billion Christians in the world. Do you know that the New Testament also recognized that Israel belongs to the Jews? Because one of the stories there is where Yeshu, all right, comes to the temple, right? And he overthrows the money changes and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, uh, this is recorded in the New Testament, which is 2,000 years old, which is the New Testament is the Bible of the Christians. So even they say, of course Israel was part of, uh, 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 the Israel was, uh, it was their country. Where does it ever say that it was Arabs? And not only that, most, most Arabs, there were Arabs who lived in Israel, but most of the Arabs came from Syria. Uh, you see, it was only after World War I, when British Britain took over the mandate, okay, that Arabs started piling into Israel. Do you know why? There's a very famous book from, called From Time Immemorial by Jane Peters. It's a classic. She documents the fact that who's the one who brought all the Arabs to Israel? Most of them, anyway. Okay, it was the British. Why? Because the, uh, the Arabs wanted to go to Israel because everybody was starving and the only land that saw any prosperity was Israel. So what the British did in order to curry favor with the Arabs because of the oil, they allowed uh, Arab immigration without even checking anything because they wanted to curry favor with the Arabs for their oil. So the British are responsible really for the problem. So all of a sudden, all the Arabs started coming to Israel. Now, there were Arabs who lived there before, that's true. But the overwhelming majority are not part of Israel. They came from lands after World War II. And the ones responsible for this are the British. Which, when you think about it, it's incredible. You know, the British should be strung up for what they did. But of course, nobody says anything. And they have the goal to tell Israel, you got to give back land to the Arabs. They were behind the resolution, basically. Is, uh, yeah, Brit yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for reminding me, yeah. Good old Britain, right? The ones who were responsible for the invasion of Arabs into Israel, and which created the whole problem, right? And not only that, they issued the white paper when Jews were dying in the Holocaust. 
they forbade the famous story, you know, story of Exodus and so on, the boat and so on and so forth, many of the boats. They, they, <coughs> they prohibited the boats from landing when Jews were dying in the Holocaust. You think that's astounding what's going on. And these people have the gall to say it was occupied. In any case, look, all of them, in English that means they will all stand in front of judgment, in front of God, for all the terrible things that they have done to his people, his children, the Jewish people. But in any case, so the astounding thing is that you want to forbade, you know, prohibit uh, Judea and Samaria, which is absurd. But Jerusalem, that means according to the UN resolution, right, the Harabayas, the Temple Mount, on which the Beis Hamikdash stood for, what, a thousand years, whatever, right, is occupied territory. You believe this? Right? The Kaisal, the holiest place in Judaism is, did you know it was occupied territory? And the old city, it's all occupied territory. This is, this is a smack in the face to history. The Torah, the New Testament itself, which everybody knows. Could you believe? It's like, it's, it's, almost, it's so astonishing that you just look at this and gape in wonderment. Whatever happened to the seichel, the brains of these people, you see? So the amazing thing is that what the U.S. should have done is said, listen, we're okay if you use occupied territory of Judea and Samaria, but are you crazy? I can say Jerusalem is occupied territory. The old, you know, East Jerusalem, you had in mind. But Obama is such an anti-Semite, and that's what he is, don't fool yourself, that he wouldn't even do that and subject the condition of the resolution, at least don't forbid Jerusalem. He says he's a Christian, right? He's a Christian. How do you go against your own New Testament? You know, Yeshu is gonna come and smack him in the face and say, excuse me, what are you, crazy? You know, I, I came here to overturn the money changes. You got the gall to say that, that, uh, that Jerusalem is occupied territory? How is he gonna face Yeshu? Think about that. You have to understand what this guy did. The holiest place is the Kaisal or the Harvais? Both. It's all occupied. No, because all East Jerusalem. The whole thing's occupied. Blip. Yeah. They're not even afraid of their own belief system, Christianity. How they're going to face, you know? How they can face Yeshu and God. Forget about it. Forget about our Torah, you know. Uh, in any case, so therefore, this is the astounding thing. That you have to think about what this man did. And all those people. Because the majority of the nations, all Britain, France, they, you know, they're Christian. If you think about that, you know. And so on. And even Islam. I mean, Muhammad recognized is Jerusalem. In fact, Jerusalem, if I, if I, Jerusalem is not mentioned once in the entire Quran. It's not mentioned once, you know. And they allude it because they say Muhammad, you know, in the, the nighttime, he had the, what's called, the, he went to a faraway place, you know, uh, the, whatever, a faraway place, and he mounted and went up to, to heaven and got the Torah from Gabriel, the angel, whatever, right? But the incredible thing, why isn't Jerusalem mentioned in the whole Quran? Because everybody knows it's Israel. I mean, what, what are we doing here, right? You know, Muhammad, of course it's Israel. Like, what's the problem here? Uh, in any case, so that's the astounding thing. And you know what the answer is? 
Why did they include Jerusalem in this insane resolution? You know why? Because this resolution is the prophecy of Goik and Mogoik against Eretz Israel and Yerushalayim. There you are. You see what I, you see? It, was, it really should not have been included. Think about that. It makes no sense. But it had to be included because the concept or the event really is the beginning of Goig and Mogoig. Actually, it's not the beginning, which I'll point out. Goig and Mogoig against the whole nations of the world, the 70 nations, against Klyistrom. And in order for that to be true, it has to include Yushalayim also. Interesting. So that's really why. And of course, uh, in Tehillim, in the, in the in Psalms, in Perak Beis, second chapter, where the Bonshim says, Amim. Why are the nations of the world agitated? They're getting all excited, right? To make a war, Hashem to make war against God and His anointed one. And God, and it says there, the Bonshim laughs at this. That's fundamentally what it is. Is that the Lomarokshu Amim, all the nations of the world are now declaring war in a certain sense against the nation of Israel <coughs> and also Jerusalem itself which is when you think about it incredible but what's that going to result what are the consequences of this it's bad news you know and that's why the question is how far does this stage in Goygamogay go first of all Iran now Iran could say well you know why we want to bomb Israel because they, they have occupied territory, which is illegal. They have given legitimacy to the claim of Iran to destroy Israel. You believe this kind of stuff? And of course they're going to hide under this and say, hey, you guys are in occupied territory. What you're doing is illegal. Of course we want to destroy you because we want to fulfill the wishes of the UN. You see. And it's not just what he called, it's not just Iran. The Arabs, they're going to start an intifada over this. Right? Because... Hey, it's illegal what you guys, according to international law, now we have an intifada, right, justified and legalized, which is very bad. This is the, the, what's going to, this was what can come out of the UN resolution, which is obviously very bad. And it's not only that, it's also <coughs> the, um, uh, the, all the enemies of the Jews are now empowered to war with the Jews. Why? Because they are violating international law. You see, it has legalized and legitimatized every anti-Semite's claim against the Jewish people. And we know the BDS movement, you know, that tries to outlaw economically and so on, right, in Yehud and Shomron. They are not going to say, of course, the, it has legitimatized the BDS movement, which is the movement against the, the uh, doing business with Yehud and Shomron in Israel. <clears throat> and not only that, you know how many companies have representation in those territories? You know, and they have representation, banks have representation in the old city. What are you doing in the old city? It's illegal. So what do you think? The banks are going to pull their banks out? Of course not. You know how many tourists go through the old city? Uh, so therefore, the BDS will now expand to include any company that has any representation in the old Yerushalayim or Yehud and Shomron. You see, it has now expanded the whole economic boycott of Israel. <clears throat> and so on. And not only that, he's, he's put now Israel right within the purview or the jurisdiction of the International Court in, ha in The Hague, uh, the International uh, Court, uh, to, to, to prosecute Israel because you got to get off that land. So it's, it's opened up a terrible, uh, what he called, repercussions, uh, th th this, this resolution and so on. Uh, <clears throat> 
But you know what it's really also done? And I'll tell you something. For this, we have to thank Obama. Yes. We really have to thank him. <clears throat> as bad as it sounds, what he has done, Obama, is not only ushered in the Messianic <coughs> era, but in a certain sense, we have to thank him. You know why? Let me tell you something. Certain interesting ideas. If you take a look at the process of Goig and Mogoig, what is Goig and Mogoig really? It's Goig, an individual from the land of Mogoig, right, that unites the whole world against Israel. There's a prophecy and so on. And then, of course, uh, that is the last war, and then the Bosham destroys them all. It's interesting. After World War I, what happened? In 1917, there was a Balfour Declaration. That means the world, or Britain, actually said, we recognize the rights of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. Uh, you see, and not only that, but that was legalized, right, in the League of Nations at that time, right? And then they gave Britain the mandate to oversee that. But it's interesting that the world actually legalized Israel to have Eretz Israel, to have the land of Israel. But that's goig and mogoig. But now they have to give Israel the land. You see, that's what they're doing. But it was only after World War I when Israel suffered. Tremendous amount of suffering because that World War I destroyed a thousand communities of the Jews uh, during that war in, in, throughout Europe and so on. The second which is interesting, is then the world legalized Israel's right, right, in 1948, after World War II. Again, after incredible suffering, because the Chazal say that one of the things that needs incredible suffering, right, is when is the Jews in order to get back Israel. But this time what happened was, is that the UN, which now became the, fora, the uh, inheritor of the League of Nations, they recognized Israel as a legitimate country for the Jewish people. So again, you, it's interesting, you have the Goig and Mogoig, which is the UN, now actually giving Israel, right, to the, to the Jewish people. Which, when you think about that, is amazing. Of course, they, they, what they did was terrible, because really, the Jews should have taken enormous amount of, the whole Jordan really was supposed to be part of Israel. But of course, the Arabs attacked Israel, and, 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 and of course, Jordan took over so much and so on. And Israel lost an enormous amount of territory that was really legal, basically, by the, by the League of Nations, which was really against decree. And let me tell you something. The UN will be held accountable. Why? Because when the UN formed, the US was not part of the League of Nations. But when the UN <coughs> formed, they accepted completely, as far as I know, every different resolution and edict of the League of Nations, among which was the formation of Eretz Israel with all the territories, including Jordan. Jordan was really East Israel. That's really what it was. So therefore, they have violated their own law uh, by now saying that, well, Israel has only the west of the Jordan River. East is Jordan. They created, Jordan was created only after, after the UN was formed and so on. That's a violation of their law because they accepted in law everything that the League of Nations did. In any case, so therefore then the, the, uh, the UN, what we begin to see is that the UN really is Mogoig, because that's the 70 nations and so on. And what we're going to realize is our Obama is Goig, because he's the one who instigated the whole thing, which is really very interesting. In any case, so after the suffering, then of course the Israel got back Israel. But then we come to 1975, and now the UN has to begin to play shtick. 
you know, they kind of play games with Israel. So in 1975, all of a sudden the UN says, well, Zionism is racism. What is Zionism? Zionism basically is the Jewish aspiration for a homeland called Eretz Israel, called Israel. And they declared that that aspiration is racism. Okay, so now we begin to see the beginning of the end where stage one is they now begin to turn against Israel. Right? And this is a resolution. Now that resolution was rescinded, which means removed, thank God, that Zionism is not racism. Okay, I think it was either 1990 or 91. I don't recall which year. So at least they removed that. But lo and behold, in September of 1993, right, the Oslo. What is Oslo really? What Oslo is, it's, an, it's a, a, one of the worst things that Israel has ever done. Uh, the whole concept of Oslo. <clears throat> what Oslo did is it legitimatized the claim of the Arabs. Uh, and that's what the uh, Israelis said. Okay, you have a chilek, you have a part in Israel, legally. We don't know which part. But we will legally and legitimatize your rights to some aspect of Israel. That's Oslo. And in many ways, Israel now became doomed. If not for the fact that God has made Arabs reject any type of partition, right? Then the world would have forced the Jewish people, Israel, right? To give back part of their land to the Arabs. But they didn't because the Arabs never accepted anything. They, were, they just won't make any kind of peace. Uh, so therefore, Oslo, which is a direct <coughs> result of the Erev Rav, okay, and they're the ones who did it, they legitimatized the Arab claim, which is the worst possible thing that they could have done. But fortunately, the Arabs, of course, don't take it because they rejected all claims altogether of giving any legitimacy existence to even the lands that Israel has a right to. They won't even admit to that. So because of that, thank God, we, we, that the, 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 the portion that they were supposed to get, whatever it is, of course doesn't happen because, hey, you don't agree to, agree to our existence, <coughs> we're not going to give you to anything. <coughs> so therefore, if you think about that, right, so in 1975, Zionism is racism is a decree against what? The aspiration of the Jew to even have Israel, right? Oslo, right, is a decree against Israel owning a great deal of Israel. You have to give it to the Arabs. And now with this, and this is stage three of Mogogogogogoy, uh, not only that, but the UN has decided which part of Israel they own, which is Judea, Samaria, and East Jerusalem. Uh, so they have actually gave, gave title to the Arabs on these three areas of Israel, you see, which is an incredible attack on Israel. But there's an incredible blessing in this. What's the blessing? There are several ideas that come out as a result of this. <clears throat> Actually, I want to mention also that one of the repercussions of the resolution, actually, is that it is now illegal for Israel to expand because it's not their territory. They cannot expand into Judea or Samaria because it's now illegal. So they can no longer expand the settlements. It's now illegal. You know how many settlements are in Israel, like Ramat Shlomo and different areas, are now illegal? So it's forbidden for the Israeli government to allow these settlements to expand. 
Did you believe this? Okay, uh, so this is certainly, and of course, the, one of the things which has not happened is once something becomes illegal, the UN theoretically can now vote for sanctions, which they have not done. They can now sanction Israel, which would be terrible for, for, for Israel. Uh, and it's interesting to watch tomorrow, by the way, which is January 15th, there is a, fa there's a, a Paris meeting in Paris. And Paris has gathered, by the way, 70 nations. It's an in interesting number. You know, they, you know, uh, and they're going to try to make peace, which nobody knows exactly what's going to be with that, because this year is before. People are afraid that Obama, <coughs> if, the, if the Paris votes against Israel and votes to sanction, then who knows? Then the, UN, the Security Council, before Obama leaves, may vote to uh, apply sanctions before Obama leaves, and everybody's afraid that he's going to really stab Israel and, and Netanyahu in the back, uh, and, and so on, you know, so people, Israel is really very worried, because obviously uh, Obama's a madman, he wants to really uh, get revenge on Netanyahu especially, and the, uh, on Jews, and so on, so, uh, and that's the Paris Convention tomorrow, and that will, that could further uh, accelerate the process of going mogoig and his, the war of Gog and Magog, the UN, the 70 nations against Israel. We'll see what happens tomorrow, and so on. In any case, <clears throat> but what, what it has done also, which is very interesting, until now, Israel could have negotiated, not that they wanted to, or they, it would have happened, but at least they had a position, right? What's the position? Okay, what's the disputed territories here, right? Judea and Samaria, right? It's disputed, okay, so we'll take care of you take care of. Right? So at least they have a negotiating position, correct? But wait a minute. They have no negotiating position anymore because Judea and Samaria has now been declared all Arab territory. Right? So what do they negotiate? They can't negotiate land which is declared illegal. Right? You know what they negotiate? Okay, we'll, we'll give you half of Tel Aviv. What else does they negotiate? Think about that. What they've done is destroy the two-state because Israel has no longer any negotiating position. What do they negotiate? Because uh, whatever they thought they would negotiate for, right, is now illegal. <coughs> it's occupied territory. So, okay, we'll negotiate here for Tel Aviv. I don't think the Tel Aviv people are going to like this, especially all those guys who live north Tel Aviv and Herzliya. And, and so on, you know. But, in effect, they've destroyed the two-state solution. You know? You know, I, I saw, uh, it, it, this is so, how stupid can you be? Uh, you're talking about two-state solution, right? And now Israel cannot do anything with that, because they're not going to give away Tel Aviv, we think, right? And so on, so it, it makes no sense. You see, you know, I, I saw, it, it's a comic, uh, it's a, a characterization, you know, where it has Kerry, <coughs> Kerry, and it has uh, the Arabs on one side, and has the, the Tanyo on the other side, uh, where, where the Arabs have a plaque that says, we demand the destruction of all the Jews. It says, that's the Arab side, right? And then the Tanyo is looking, and then Kerry says, come on, why don't you at least meet half their demand? <laughs> Whoever wrote that is Mamish Ilouyas. <laughs> that's basically what Kerry is saying. They meet them halfway, so they'll destroy you, so what? Uh, you'll give me half Tel Aviv. You'll give them more territory to launch new missiles at you. 
Excuse me. But also, the thing is so reckless. I don't know a lot about it, but from what I gather from people who come back, if Israel just stopped providing electricity and water now to those areas, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't they uh, realize that this is who? It's like they're not even. Yeah, but they couldn't power. do that. You see, the one that stopped Israel from exercising its right as a nation is America. First it was Clinton, then Bush, and then Obama. Really what they've done is they've trapped, they've entrapped Israel, that Israel cannot express its sovereignty. It's really what they've done. Israel can never really retaliate, really. I mean, 15, 20,000 missiles that have been launched against, uh, what do you call it, um, um, Sadeh, so they wrote, yeah. I imagine 15,000 missiles being launched in America, or if Canada launched that against New York. I mean, can anybody restrain New York from doing anything, or the United States? It's insane. Yet they've always restrained Israel, all three presidents. And guess what? All three presidents are being destroyed. Clinton is destroyed. Why do you think they were all destroyed? You notice all those people that went against Israel, all the presidents, are now basically <coughs> being destroyed? Wait. You want me to give you the record? Okay. First one, right, is the war, right, in the, the Persian Gulf War, right? By Bush, the first Bush, right? <clears throat> he lost the second election. You know what a Bush, he had an 88% <coughs> approval rating um, before that war. But after the war, when he said, hey, you guys, uh, you, ca you guys cannot uh, put any missiles you remember that into uh, into uh, Iran uh, what do you call it um, uh, Iraq and so on and so forth right and then he punished them and he said I will not back your 10, 10, uh, 10 billion dollar uh, what do you call it um, uh, guarantees loan guarantees excuse me what are you doing are you crazy and and meanwhile he backed I forgot who it was who sided with uh, with, uh, with with Iraq Saddam Hussein so therefore the Russian said, you want to play around? You have an 88% approval rating? Don't worry. You're not going to get into a second term. You have any idea what kind of embarrassment it is for a president with that approval rating to lose a second term? What? Oynash. Punishment for the first Bush. Clinton. <coughs> I hate to mention her name, but you know what I mean, right? The scandal against Clinton, right? <coughs> Uh, the whole scandal in the, White, in the White House and so on and so forth destroys reputation basically, right? And God was not finished with Clinton. He now destroyed Hillary and Bill together, right? And they're, they're finished. And, and who, who knows if the U.S. is going to go after them, you know, Hillary, because now there's an FBI investigation. We don't have not even seen the end of it. But he did, why? 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 <clears throat> because you know, Bill, Bill is an incredible Russia and Hillary supported him. <clears throat> why? <clears throat> because Arafat was in agreement with, with um, Israel not to do this, to negotiate. Meanwhile, he's killing Jews left and right. So what Bill Clinton should have said, excuse me, you can't do this. Uh, you said you would negotiate. You're not allowed to do this. He didn't say a word. How many Jews died under Bill Clinton and Arafat? And he said nothing. All right, so the Muslim said, you want to do this against my people? So he destroyed him. He was mavazahim. He embarrassed him in front of the entire world with the woman, right? Supposedly the, what he did with her and so on, right? So that was the first terrible punishment he had. And now, of course, he's being punished he again. To this, that same day, he was going to go attack. Yeah. That was, you mentioned I, I, I'm skipping that, but if you want to mention Ah, the 
the same day that he was going to give uh, give Israel over the head, then they said, "Woman, what's going on in the papers?" Yeah, what he's really saying is, uh, it was I think it was in January, and Netanyahu was going to have a meeting with him, and Clinton was really going to get tough with Netanyahu. Was it Netanyahu? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So all of a sudden, he's talking to Bill. Uh, Bill Clinton is talking to Netanyahu, and all of a sudden, knock knock. Somebody knocks on the door of the president. So uh, he answers. He goes over. He answers. Is like, like, what is it? You know. So he says, "Well, we have a serious crisis, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. President. We have serious. Who is the crisis? You know who? The woman, right? Uh, at the same meeting, that's when it became a crisis." That, that shows you what the Yad Hashem is. You want to do this to my people? And the, the same, in the same meeting at the same time, right? All of a sudden, that's when the crisis with her began. Mamash, yeah, Hamanachash first. Exactly, you remember that? Exactly, yeah. Haman is coming to destroy the Jews, right? And all of a sudden, you know, and, uh, and I'm going to recount the whole story. And also, all of a sudden, uh, so Haman, of course, says, uh, you know, uh, uh, so the Achishver says, "Well, wh what do you think is appropriate to reward a guy? You know, save the king. Well, of course, Haman says, uh, excuse me, who else can he mean but me? So he gives him the position, which is suicide. You don't realize that was a suicide note for Haman. I'll tell you why. <clears throat> so he tells, uh, wh what's his name? He tells Achishver, so of course, white horse, king's horse, king's crown, oh. right? King's garb, right? right? And he's being led to the street. And right, and this is what uh, is done to somebody who king wants to honor, right? He's, just, he's not just wearing great stuff. It's the king's crown, right? The garb and the and the horse, which is the king's horse, right? So of course uh, the Achashur says, "Okay, grab Mordechai and do it to him." And that was the beginning of the Mapola. And the very meeting he wanted to destroy him because he really was coming to ask for the gallows. He wanted the right to hang up him up, fifty amas. You know what 50 Amas is? 50 Amas is really 50 gates of Tumor and complete it with the death of Mordechai because Mordechai is really a, a, a shirsh of Mashiach ben Yosef. I'm going to get into that because uh, ben Yomen, ben Rochel. In any case, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, so, um, and by the way, that was suicide for Haman. You know why? Because you think about this, what does a king always think? A king always thinks about somebody else trying to take me over, right? 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 So, this guy's the Grand Vizier. Is he crazy? The Viceroy, you know? He's the first suspect that maybe wants to take over my position, right? So, not only... So, are you out of your mind? You, know, you want to say you want to honor me, fine, but uh, what the greatest message you could say, say to the king that I want to take you over and overthrow you and kill you is to take your horse, your crown, and your garb, right? And all the people should now say, wow, this is the king, right? How stupid can you be? But God made him into a fool. There's a saying in Greek, in Greek mythology, you know, and, and you see this now with Obama, and just like you saw with Haman. He whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad. That's exactly what he did to Haman. It's mad. How do you even do this? Uh, and Haman wasn't stupid. You can't become the viceroy if you're an idiot, you know? Maybe you can, but not in those days. Anyway, uh, so, that, so, 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 so Clinton is destroyed. So first Bush loses the election. Clinton is destroyed, right? Then this Bush, right? You know how he's destroyed? Everybody hated the man in 2008. Why do you think they voted for Obama? 
It was because they hated Bush. And they didn't want anybody in the establishment. That's why Hillary lost. But they hated, they, they, they people who hate Bush for whatever they think he did and so on. You know, his reputation was mud for years. Okay? And not only that, think about this. The whole Mapola, the financial crisis of America, started under who? Bush. America, you should know, could have been destroyed. Remember the whole uh, derivatives with the stock market and all that? It all started on the Bush's uh, watch. And you should know one thing, America really should have been destroyed. He did, but the Russians didn't do that because every, it, it was, what is it, $500 trillion in the stock market, whatever. Uh, but the Russians had Rachmanus on America and didn't. But America was ot ot right next to being destroyed because the war, remember the Wall Street collapse and so on? How many millions of people were destroyed? The savings and so on. And this was all in the bush, right? And the, the, and it was the collapse of the financial markets was bush. And therefore they hated the guy for many reasons. So that's his Irish. Okay? And then of course Obama. And Obama is now realizing his punishment and so on. Uh, which uh, I will talk and so on. So it's interesting that he has punished every person. I mean obviously the major idea of Obama's destruction is the destruction of his legacy. It's, it's, it's incredible what's, what's about to happen with this guy's legacy and so on. You know, in the first day, he's gonna, uh, Trump is going to knock out 75% of his legacy. I told you this story. I told you, I, I think I told you, was it last week? That uh, somebody asked uh, somebody, I, I mentioned it was uh, whatever. I said that, Sean Hannity asked uh, Newt Gingrich. You know, I said, wait a minute, if he's going to knock out his whole legacy, so how do we know that uh, Obama was even president? <laughs> it's good kasha. <laughs> right? So in other words, in the history books, it'll happen that, you know, in a footnote, by the way, there was a 44th president, his name was Obama, but we don't know anything about him because nothing ever succeeded him. Nothing ever survived his presidency. It's going to be a footnote in the, in, in the textbooks, right? So he asked that to Newt Gingrich, who was a very smart person, and, uh, and so on. So you know what Newt Gingrich answered? Elias. He said, you know, got a good point. You know how they'll know he was president? Because the tradition is, is that in the White House, every president has his portrait painted. So when they go through the White House, they say, who's this guy? Oh, he was the 44th president. How do I know? Because his portrait is hanging in the White House. That's it. <laughs> That's how you know he was president. And you know why it's such an earnest to Obama? Because he's, he's what? He's an egomaniac. He thinks he's God. He really does. You know? Um... And uh, therefore, the worst thing you can do for an egomaniac, a megalomaniac, it's really what he is, you know, is what? Is to destroy his legacy and his reputation. It's the worst thing you can do. Because you know who I am, and I have nothing to show for this. You should know it's the biggest clop blow to a guy of his nature. What a, what a punishment he will receive. And he hasn't even begun to be punished, as we will see, you know. And this is really going to continue, because when the world sees the contrast of what Trump is doing and what he did, they're all going to say, what kind of president is this? Why couldn't he do this? Because the first two years he had the Congress. So why couldn't he do what Trump is doing? You see, because Trump will make America great. So the Busha, the embarrassment, the degradation and the shame that Obama will get will be much worse as time goes on. <coughs> anyway. If I may just quickly. Yeah. She also called for the conference in Bethesda, Maryland to divide Jerusalem. The first time by <coughs> Condoleezza Rice. 
to talk about negotiating okay. the division of Jerusalem. Yeah, I mean, there's... Uh, but yeah. with Clinton, Hashem really does not want him back in the White House. His vice president had the popular vote, and he didn't get the White House. His wife had the popular vote, and no, you're not getting in the White House again yeah. for a position. Yeah, it extends, you know. Yeah. So it, increase, it increases the pain. It's the only two times, right? Someone had popular that vote. I, I, but but it, you, you know what pain that is to know that you had the popular vote and you didn't get in? In other words, you were almost there. <clears throat> Too bad. It's illegally, you know, it's electoral votes. It increases the pain, you know, because it's one thing if she lost totally on every front. Uh, but if she won on the popular vote, you know, like... That's it's a joke, and I could have been what? Till seven o'clock, she was still popular. Yeah. That increases her pain and suffering. You should know. Anyway, um, yeah, it's just astounding what's going on, and so on. You know. Uh, so we see, therefore, that the the concept of goy gomogoy really has different processes, or different stages. And, and in the last stage, it, it's accelerating, where the all seventy nations are now. Uh, uh, against Israel. And really when you think about it, like I said, it is absolutely insane. Uh, so what we begin to see is that, this is really what we begin to see. The Rabbani Shlalem, God is accelerating the process. It's not just Trump, which is the Tahar of Edoim. Remember? He is purifying Edoim, because they have to be part of the Messianic process, right? To protect Israel against the UN. Right? Remember what I said long, quite a while ago and so on? Right? And to protect them against the Iran and Europe and so on, you know? It's also to begin the preparation of the Messianic light. The Old Mashiach. You know, it's hard to know. It's hard to know if there are sanctions, then that will be the completion of Goyeg. Yes. That will completely fulfill the prophecy. If there is, yeah. There won't be any physical war. Probably not, no, because I believe that the Holocaust served that purpose. They should have been. Chazal say in Sanhedrin that only one or two people will survive. So really there should have been, but there won't be uh, because the, uh, the Holocaust absorbed that entire uh, necessity. For the suffering. For the suffering, yeah. The, the Holocaust was something beyond belief and so on and so forth. You know. People came back, one or two people were left in every, every but city. They suffered. Mamish. Mamish, suffer. yeah. Well, only one or two people came back from a city, but else was killed. Yes. I mean, the, the, the truth is that Nevoa or that, that uh, whatever was, was absorbed or fulfilled really for the Holocaust. I do not believe that this will ever happen to the Jews again. However, there still has to be a confrontation between the 70 nations of the world, and we are watching it. Don't be fooled. This is part of the acceleration uh, <coughs> of the entire process. So if there are sanctions, it, it's only going to last, obviously, for six days, because Trump is going to wild. I mean, the House just made a resolution. Uh, you know, uh, just made a resolution where they, they went against the UN. So that's the beginning of the Tahar of Edoim. Look at what's happening against the uh, resolution of 2334. No, not yet. They didn't, but they resolved that what the UN did was wrong. So it's already a statement by the government, the United States government, that you guys were, that, 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 that you know, it's going to come. If there is. How long is what? How long is for? It doesn't say, it just says that it has to precede the Mashiach. That's what, it's a messianic war. In any case, uh, so actually what we're seeing is astounding to watch because 
you know, I, I, just, I just marvel at people who are supposed to be intelligent, have no concept of what they're doing. But the amazing thing that, that, that is that it all falls with the nevuah. It's all part of the prophecy, you see. And, 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 and when we watch all this, all the ideas that I've said, then there's a lot of stuff, you know. It's amazing to watch the nevuah of, of the nevium come true. But this is really an incredible idea, the fact that the nevuah of goig and mogoig is now true. Um, we see it, and this is really, according to Cheskel, this is a messianic war. Which, by the way, tells us that if it's a messianic war, correct, right, that that's what it is, then the Mashiach obviously is alive. You know, if it's messianic, and, and in many ways that's really what it has to be. Because we see that from Cheskel, because he was the Mashiach, he was supposed to be the Mashiach. And God, as I once mentioned, God wanted to make Sancherv, Sancherv, whatever they call him in English. Uh, uh, he wanted to make him Goig, and Mogoig would be Assyria, and Chizkyo would have been the Mashiach, Ben Yosef actually, whatever, but he wasn't because he didn't sing Shira. Uh, he didn't give praise to God for the incredible miracle of killing 183,000 people in one night. It's astounding, because there's no disease that can take out 183,000 people within the confines of that enemy camp. You know, it's like, you know, uh, just, uh, it's a, it's a pure open miracle. Probably has never happened again and so on, you know, not, not that way. Uh, and, and therefore, uh, uh, I believe that in many ways, uh, it looks that way, certain Obama is really going, uh, even though he's Ishmael, he's really, a, he's really a Muslim, that's really what he is. Because I just showed you, he violated his own New Testament. <laughs> You're going to have to deal with the issue. What can you do, you know? Uh, you know, what can I say? Yeshu, by the way, we know is Jesus, right? For those people who don't know who Yeshu is. Anyway, <laughs> and there are people who can watch this that say, who's this guy? You know, I don't want to think he's Yeshua. But anyway, um, so um, it's really amazing to watch the acceleration of the process. Uh, and also, like I said, Unwittingly, or within the hands of God, because they, they're, they're, they're all fools, they don't realize that they've just destroyed the two-state solution. Because the two-state solution was like this, the, a sword hanging over their neck that they would have to accommodate, because even Netanyahu said, we're going to honor the two-state solution. But now it's impossible, because like I said, what are you going to do? Everybody? They have no negotiating position, they're going to give away halfway Tel Aviv. It's insane what these people did and so on, you know. In any case, uh, so far, uh, this is what we see, you know. What do we realize from this? Well, let's take a look at Obama, which is really very interesting in terms of what Obama did. You know, <clears throat> why did Obama do this? You know, I mean, I, th none of this makes sense. You know, because the first thing you have to understand is that Yishmael is dying. The, the Arabs are dying. Every Arab state, almost, is dying. They're no more states, you know. I mean, you take a look at what? You take a look at Libya. It's finished. Egypt is tottering. You know, they're already beginning to think about throwing out El Sisi because the economy is terrible in Egypt, you know, and so on, you know, and besides ISIS and so on, you know. Yemen is, is, is finished, you know. Um, Saudi Arabia, you never know what happens to that, but uh, Lebanon is finished. Syria is a dead, is dead in the water, you know. Iraq basically is dead in the water. You know, even Afghanistan is finished and so on and so forth. You know, you look around and say, what is happening to all the Arabs? And like I mentioned, not only are they politically dying, 
But e e even economically, they're dying, especially the oil states. Why? Because uh, America is about to become the after Trump, and he will exploit all the oil reserves and gas reserves. It's America uh, with fracking, hydraulic, uh, hydraulic fracturing. America will become the greatest exporter of, of, of energy. Forget about it. It's been incredible. And then Israel finds the fields, like I mentioned, you know, the Leviathan fields. Uh, you don't even need the Arabs anymore. Their political clout is disappearing. And like I once mentioned, Saudi Arabia, I heard once, has only six year, more years worth of oil. And then they're finished. And believe me, they're panicking and so on and so forth. So what we're, what we're watching is the dissolution, the dismemberment of the Arabs and Islam and the Arabs are the essential idea of Islam. And that's what we're watching. So Obama is living and his legacy is going to be destroyed. He's also finished. Because, you know, uh, so in many, it's like in, in many ways what he's doing is that, you know, okay, I'm going down, but I'm going to take you with me. You know, it's like, it's like what Shimshon did when he took out, uh, you know, um, the Plishtim and so on and so forth, you know, he collapsed the whole temple and so on. He said, Thomas Nafshi and Plishtim, I'm going to go, I'm going to take everybody with me. Obama's doing that, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm getting out, I'm, I'm really getting out of here, right? Because my legacy is finished, right? I'm going to take you Jews, you know. I, once I never forgot this, you know, when they told uh, Jimmy Carter, I think it was 1979 when he lost to Reagan, was it 79 or 80, whatever, 80? Yeah, well, anyway. So he was on a plane, and every state, I think if I remember correctly, voted against Carter. Everyone. I think, I'm not even sure if he carried Georgia, which is his state. I'm not sure. Yeah, forgive me, I, know, I just don't remember. It was a long time ago. But I remember they told, they told this to Carter. It wasn't, it wasn't an article, you know. You see the hatred that Carter has for the Jews. So they told him, uh, it looks very bad. I don't think you're carrying anybody. <laughs> you imagine the whole country couldn't stand this guy. Well, the economy was in the shambles. It's too bad because in those days the interest rates was fifteen percent. You remember those days? If you had any money, you'd make a ton. On fifteen percent, the banks were paying you fifteen percent, and that was FDIC insured. You know, and you kind of, it was just so. I remember those days, which is incredible. You know, so they told Carter, you know, uh, you're not going to make it. Uh, forget it. Everybody's against you. You know. So in the article says, so what, did, what did Carter say? So Carter looked and said, it's those, and I'm, ex I'm obviously not saying the expletive, it's those Jews. That's what he said. Wow. It's incredible. I remember I was shocked, you know. It's, it's those expletive deleted, like, I, like by Nixon. Remember all the expletive deleted? I've never seen a president curse so much. It's incredible. If you read the, the Nixon papers, you know. The testimony, how every, everything he said, every third word was a curse word. But he says it's the Jews. Yeah, then you wonder why this guy hates the Jews and so on. Of course it wasn't the Jews, but the Jews have to do with the elections. You know, come on, what are you crazy? It's, but you know, everything is the fault of the Jews, right? And uh, that's the sin of the goyim and so on, you know? But uh, so Obama, same thing, I'll get those Jews back. Yeah, I'll go out. You take me out, you know? And, and you have to understand, it's not just you'll take me out. I thought I had an heir. Who's that Hillary? She'll carry on my policies. You know? And what happened? The country rejected Hillary. You know? What they really rejected is who? Is Obama. Because she was going to carry out his policies. So that's a real dis destruction of Obama. That even the person that he wanted to take over his legacy is gone. 
And then you had Trump that will really destroy his legacy. You know, so you can imagine the sinner. You know, you take me out, yeah, I'll take you guys out also. And he stabbed him in the back with a resolution that is it, it's just incredible. It's like to betray, forget about that, they're Jews. Israel is an ally. How do you do this to an ally in the Middle East? Unheard of. You know, I, it, this has been written up, but just beyond belief. So that's the first thing that Obama did. Destroyed his, uh, because he's dying. Uh, so he decided to take out all the Jews. That's number one. Okay. And then Kerry, guy's an idiot. Uh, you know, what he should have done if he, had a, if he had any brains, you know what he should have done, right? Instead of saying, I will talk, for, you know, what his speech against, you know, lambasting Israel, what he should have done is said, hey, he only had three weeks anyway left, right? When he gave that speech. He should have said, I quit. I only have three weeks and I'm not going to be with anyway, Secretary of State. I'm not going to do this. Why? Because, hey, why should I go out with this terrible stench? And that's what it is, a betrayal against an ally. He didn't have to do this. He could have quit and then he would have been a hero. And he would have gotten so many speaking engagements by the Jews. Right? Instead he agreed and he, he, he joined the betrayal of, of Obama. I mean, guy's an absolute idiot. And he, and, and, but the question is, why would he do this? Obama destroyed his reputation. You know, because everybody sees this guy. How do you do this? In fact, the, UN, the, the resolution in the, in the House is a smack in the face to Obama, isn't it? You know, I said it was wrong. I mean, they, we smack you in the face. How do you do something like this? Think about that, what it means for Obama. So that itself is a stain what, what is this on his legacy. What was the resolution in the House? That we condemn, I forgot the language, that what they did was terrible, it was wrong, and we condemn the resolution of the UN that did this to Israel. That declared Israel, uh, you know, uh, that declared everything else occupied territories. That's a direct confrontation to the present United States. You see, and I'm not even talking about all the all the uh, the, the papers and so on and so forth. Yeah, but the third thing he did, he enraged Trump. What are you doing? Trump Trump was livid with this, you know, and Trump's got a temper which is great. Uh, you saw what he did to that CNN reporter? Uh, it's like, the, you know, it's probably the greatest press conference ever known, you know, where the president berated a CNN reporter and he, he just told him, hey guy, get lost, I'm not talking to you. Uh, you know what I mean? You know what that is for a... a, a, a news is fake. What? Yeah, he called you fake news. He called, what is it called, Buzz? What's it called, Buzz? Buzzfeed. Buzzfeed is garbage. I mean, this is for the president of the United States. You know, garbage. Uh, you, could, you could have said, well, they're not accurate. No, 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 it's garbage. Right? And then he sells CNN, which is supposed to be a credible uh, program. What is that? So CNN, right? You guys are fake. I don't want to talk to you. Uh, and you see the anger in his face. Where he, he was trying to subdue. He didn't want to show how... Li he was livid with rage with these guys. Because they thought trying to make him look like an idiot, a fool. You know, uh, uh, which is Gavaldi because you can see the defiance that never happened before in a press conference. I mean, it was just, uh, well, I said, I shipped nachas from the man. What can I tell you? <laughs> I mean, it was just a pleasure to look at, you know? <clears throat> you know, anyway. Um, uh, so he enraged Trump. So he's stupid. So all, all Trump is going to do, you know what he's going to do on probably the day one? He's going to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem on day one just to go like this to the UN because that's really what it is you say that the the, 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 the embassy is what uh, is in the occupied territory guess what I'm going to put them in East Jerusalem 
<laughs> you know, and, and this is what I think about your resolutions. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump's going to do that. You know, and so on. so all he did is, is he is he um, he destroyed his own legacy. He enraged Trump to go against him to destroy his legacy. What, is he stupid, this man Obama? Why do that? What he should have done is at least placate him and you know pacify him and say I like you and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, but not do this. What was the seichel behind this? But what he also did was interesting, which is very important, right? The whole Israel was united against what the UN did. He was Ma'achet Kla Yisrael. The left, the right, right? Everybody came out because everybody realized this is an incredible betrayal, treachery of, the, of Obama, what he did to Israel. Everybody sees that. And Netanyahu was, was livid with rage. Of course, never happened before. Because like I said, this is what they, the consequences are terrible, you know? So, uh, so, he, so what he did is he united all of Israel together now which is always an important thing, the actors of Klai Israel, the unity of Israel is always, is, always in, is, is always critical. So what we basically see, which is very important, of course, is that uh, he, um, uh, he accelerated the process. So therefore, we now realize that Obama <coughs> has, I think, six objectives according to the divine agenda, the divine plan. Okay, let's take a look at that. What are, what are the six? One, <coughs> is that, um, of course, remember when I told you the first year why I said the reason why Obama's president? Because the Sutton is dying and he needed that kind of sparks of holiness. Remember from, the, uh, from Yishmoel, the Arabs, because they're the, only, the Muslims, they're the only ones who have it. You have to go back to the first lecture where I said that, right? Mm -hmm. So therefore, the first part, Obama, Obama allows the Sutton to survive. Because therefore, the Sutton can be yonek, can derive nourishment from, the, from, the, uh, from uh, Yishmoel. Uh, from the Malach of Yishmoel. That was the first idea. The second idea, okay, is, of course, since he's Yishmoel, he diminishes Edom. Of course, because uh, so he will try to destroy Edom. Yishmoel is always trying to become first. And therefore, that's exactly what it did. I mean, you look at the president of, presidency of Obama, you can't believe how, how bad it was. You know, one of the most comical times is when he went to Chicago. He just went to Chicago and gave us farewell address. Why? Because he wanted to sound like George Washington. You know, the first president, George Washington, gave his farewell address. Of course, Obama is like the first president. The United States stands on Obama. So he had to go and give his farewell address to Chicago, which has now witnessed 700 and something murders. It's the highest murder capital in the United States. And this is his city, right? And he gives a speech where he did Gvaldi's glory, did everything. You know, but he's laughing at this guy. You know, of course, he was cheered on by 14,000 people because he's the Messiah and the Messiah is about to leave office and so on and so forth, uh, which nobody can understand, of course, you know. It, it's comical. This man was probably the worst president in terms of uh, what he did to the United States. I mean, foreign affairs, economy. Worse than Carter? What was that? Worse than Carter? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, because Carter, well, Carter was pretty bad, but Obama, is, is, he really takes the cake and so on. Whatever it is, and, 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 uh, and so therefore he really diminished the United States in so many different ways, and so on, and, and, and whatever, and so on. You know. uh, the, sec the third thing, of course, is to empower the Arabs, which he did. He's always siding with the Arabs, obviously, and even this last thing with the UN is completely empowering the Arabs, right? So that's the third thing he did. Uh, and then, of course, Obama, as I mentioned, designated the end of time, which is Iran. And Iran, as I mentioned, they give a whole shit on that. 
uh, is fundamentally the beginning of the end of time. Okay? But what he also did, he himself, he initiated Goygamogoy, the prophecy, by abstaining and instigating the UN Security Council to vote against Israel. He initiated Goygamogoy. Is that incredible? So we really have to give him the Nobel Prize. We have to give him Yeshkoyach. Because he instigated, right, the whole process, which Israel has tremendous proof, and therefore he initiated the prophecy of Goig Mogoy, which is the last prophecy where the entire world will go against Israel. And he did it, you know. So that really, uh, like I say, initiated the end of time exactly. He fulfilled that prophecy and therefore enormously extended the end of time. And of course, he now ended the two-state solution. Thank God for that, because he made it impossible for Israel to negotiate in any, in, in any way. So the whole thing, of course, uh, is, uh, of course is absolutely uh, in, 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 insane, and so on. <clears throat> you know what you realize from all this? What was the original job of Esau? The original job of Esau, really, if you remember, was to, Yaakov Avinu's job was to bring down holiness of Kedusha. That's why the Yeshiva Holom, he sit in tent and bring down Kedusha. The job of Esau really was to go into the world and subdue evil, to remain righteous and subdue evil. In other words, to destroy the Satan. If you think about that, that's exactly what, what in many ways, what Trump is doing. He is now going back to reverting and subduing evil. That's what he's doing. And he's now going to purify America, which means to remove the evil of Edom or Esau. Who are they? As I said, you know, you talk about the Democratic Party, which are terrible. You know, not only has Trump destroyed, uh, what he called Obama, and he's going to continue to destroy it. He has destroyed Hillary, uh, the Democratic Party. Do you realize that he's going to undo not just the legacy of Obama? Do you realize that the Democrats are dead? They're finished. You see, because he's going to undo the legacy of the Democratic Party for the last 50 years, which is incredible for the Democrats. That's why they're all going crazy. You ever wonder why they're all going crazy to this day, which is unheard of in American history, because they're dead. And not only that, not only is he going to overturn, but what, the way he's going to govern is going to be so superior that nobody's going to ever vote for Democrats again, because they're going to say, why didn't Obama do this? Why didn't the Democrats you know, allow, you know, blacks to have, uh, to rejuvenate their cities and so on, if, Ob if, if, if Trump is doing this. He's going to make Obama and the Democratic Party look like, it's like absolute failures. And that's why they're all going crazy. Not only that, Trump is destroying the media. CNN, you know, and, 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 and what? He's bypassing the media. He's by and he's there also I, yeah. Like he's saying, tweeting. Well, he should he should just do this straight out. Yeah, what well, does he need the media? The face of the new news conference. Exactly. So nobody's gonna buy any paper because we don't need them to know what Trump is thinking or what's happening to the U.S. government. You just just listen to his tweets. Yes, he he's destroying the media. Yeah, because what they did in the last election is incredible evil. Not only because they defended evil. Uh, but they lied, and the journalism, the whole, they lied, openly, brazenly, they lied again and again. And he finally said that, you guys are fake news, you know? And uh, it's, so he's destroying the media, and he's also destroying all the liberals, the leftists, the progressives. These guys are being wiped out, and notice they're all crying, they're going crazy. 
They, they, they can't get over what's about to happen. They've tried to stop him at every single point. You know, Obama knew that Russia was uh, interfering, not in the elections, but they knew they were hacking. Why didn't he do this a year ago? Because after Hillary lost, now he's got to do it to try to delegitimize uh, Trump's, uh, Trump's uh, election. That's the only reason why it's happening, and so on, you know. But the, the main idea is that he's destroying the left, the liberals, and they're still going crazy. And when he becomes president, and day one, overturns 75% of Obama's legacy, and therefore the Democratic legacy, who knows how many people are going to commit suicide, you know? Because they realize their way of life is over. They now have an, you know, and when you take a look at the team he put in, the uh, cabinet, it's a super team. It consists of generals and billionaires. Now what's great about billionaires? Because they get, they get the job done, or else how could they become a billionaire? These guys know exactly how to run a corporation. You can't smear them. These guys, these guys know exactly how to run a corporation. And the U.S. is really a corporation. That's really what it is. You know, you need the same thinking and strategy that you do in a corporation. You need it in the government also. There's no difference. In fact, like I always say, the worst mistake America always makes is they appoint a lawyer. And lawyers, by and large, always defy or destroy deals because of the legality, by and large, you know. But a businessman wants to make the deal. A lawyer wants to destroy to make it more difficult so you can hire him for another hour and they can charge another $800,000 an hour. That's his interest, right? But a businessman wants to get rich quick. So his matter is always to, to do the deal to make it different interests and so on. And the other guys are the generals. And uh, these guys are going to sit down and say, excuse me, we're not going to tolerate this from anybody. My Iran or Iraq or ISIS. Uh, it's going to be a mapecha, a revolution that the United States has never seen before. BTS. Who? BTS, drain the swamp. Drain the swamp, yeah. The great news also a while back that shows the legitimacy of this. Mike Pence, I, could, I hear, Mike Pence took the special interests people and escorted them out out of the White House. They kicked them out. Yeah. So these guys don't want, I don't need special interest. I know how to run things. I mean, they escorted them out of the White yeah. House. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. They're it's a good, good point, yeah. yeah. The ones who destroy the U.S. government, you know what that is. It's lobbyists. They destroy everything. Why? Because they represent special interests. And therefore, uh, since they are lobbyists and they know a lot of people, right? They're always going to try to convince, uh, you know, uh, politicians to vote for their corporations, even though it's against the interests of the United States. They, they, they're the really ones who destroy, and he's going to make a rule that if you work for the government, you cannot become a lobbyist for the next five years, which basically means that all their contacts will be gone, you know, because things change so rapidly and so on. Yeah, lobbyists, uh, because they represent special interests, and special interests really destroys the entire government and it destroys the interests of really of the American people and so on, you know. So again, that's all part of the MS that Obama represents and so on. Um, and, and, and so on. But anyway, we see him actually, we see Obama now going back to the job of Asaph. Because the job of Asaph was to counter evil and destroy it by remaining righteous. Obama, actually, yeah, who oh, I say Obama? Trump. <laughs> is now going back to the job of Esau, Edom, and his original job was what? Because he's an of, remember I said patriarch? His job was to destroy evil, the Sultan, the Sitrachra, and, and so on. And, uh, and therefore, that was his job to defy that, and, uh, and therefore Obama's going to destroy all these uh, evil elements, and they really are evil, 
uh, when he takes over, obviously, the United States. And that's, that's really what's happening and so on, you know. But um, we see this is really all the stuff that's really happening, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, so, in six days, or seven, uh, he will take office. And then uh, I, I, you can see the, the messianic uh, process being incredibly uh, advanced. I want to bring something which I came across, which is interesting. Let me read this to you. April, th you'll get a kick out of this. April 30th, 2011, which is uh, 5,771, the year, and it's also in the Chodesh of Nisan. Okay. April 30th, 2011, a day with that, that will live in infamy or be held in esteem, depending on whom you ask. Why? According to Roger Stone, longtime Trump advisor, after being humiliated in public by <coughs> then-president at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, he was humiliated by Trump, uh, by Obama. Obama made, Trump was there, and in that 2011, Obama made tremendous fun of Trump. Yeah, and so on and so forth. So he, and Trump doesn't take kindly to humiliation, uh, you know, obviously, right? But anyway, he humiliated him terribly, you know? So he says, Trump said, Maybe I'll just run. Maybe I'll show them all. Stone said, I think that is the night he resolved to run for president. Interesting, isn't it? Amazing, you know? Because why would he run for president? The man's a billionaire many times over. Because he need this business, right? So <coughs> Obama humiliated him. You talked about Mida connected Mida, right? It's poetic, you know? The turn of events, you know, the turnaround, measure for measure, that Obama humiliates this guy, and he had no reason to run for president, if you think about that. He, he gets all the acclaim he needs, and then, then he was on TV, right, or whatever they call that thing, real, real, what do you call that, situations? Yeah, Who? Reality television. I don't even know what that is, but reality television, so on and so forth. He had, he, he's a celebrity, uh, he's world known, we don't need this, you know, and not only that, he thought himself that he'll never win. Why did he enter? There you are. He entered, because maybe I'll win. I gotta, sh I gotta get back at this guy Obama for humiliating me. You see, it's a man, and it happened in Nissan, which is the, which is the month of Gula, Isn't it? <clears throat> right? Who knows what the Ranshom did at that date? He says, listen, I need to get Trump to come to this, you know, uh, car, uh, the White House correspondence dinner. I need him to come, you know? And I need to plant the thought, because he... He's going to be Matar Edoim. You know, and that's how it started. And boy, talk about payback day, you know, where he, Obama has severely lost and he's going to destroy that man. And, and Obama's committing suicide because he keeps antagonizing, enraging Trump. So not only that he has what's called an old score to settle, right? I got a new score to settle. I mean, this guy's crazy. Whoever heard of a lame duck president destroy or, or putting all these obstacles in front of a president you know uh, yeah uh, it's, 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 it's like it's like it's like astonishing to watch we, what it's like a soapbox opera right it's astonishing to watch how stupid somebody can be you know especially when he knows this is about to happen but it's fascinating how the rebellion remember i told you that the Bansham is the, is the greatest chess player of all time, right? 
he will make a move a thousand years ago and that move will create a series of repercussions that will end ultimately now right in the messianic process being accelerated and he took Obama put him into that meeting you know so Obama simply said oh no uh, it's not enough being a billionaire and being a celebrity and all that kind of stuff why do I keep saying Obama he wants you to that's he wants me to yeah he's spooking me <laughs> But the Trump is going to say, oh, no, it's not enough. I'm going to get this guy back. Can you imagine what he vowed on that day? And that's why he says, I think that is the night he resolved to run for president. And the astounding thing is that he ran, even though he thought he would never win. He's, he, has no, he has no business in politics. He has no ability in politics. He still ran. Why? Because why did he do it? Because God said, you are my candidate. And therefore, I believe the Bansham took away his Bechira. He took away, he simply took away his free will. Because no man would have run. I mean, think about it. Man has no political experience whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? He's got a lot of baggage that he's got to get rid of, which he's trying to. You know, he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect, right? And so on, you know? And not only that, he's, he's running against Hillary. She's like a world famous, she's the most famous woman in the world. He has no chance. You know? Why did he do it? Because he had no choice. Because, like I said, because that man is a messianic figure of Edoim, to reverse the entire muzzle of Edoim, to become part of the Tikkun process, which is incredible, you know. And like I brought all the Midrashim that show that Edoim is going to do tshuva in the end, before the coming of Mashiach, to enable Klai Yisrael to do tshuva, to bring in the Mashiach, to make, to make the Hachonah. So therefore, I believe the Bersham <coughs> took away the free will of, of, of yeah, Obama again. I can't do this. He took away the free will of Trump to run, and he beat him because the whole election is a miracle of all miracles. How this man, like I said, beat 16 presidential contenders, each one a heavyweight. He won against them. He won against the media. Think about that. He won against Obama and Hillary, the media, the Democratic Party, all the liberals, and, and even his own Republican Party hated them. How did he pull it off? You need to help my people. And that's exactly uh, what he's going to do. And that's why he said, you know, remember when the, the UN made that? So Obama tweeted Netanyahu and he said, January 20th. Did I say Obama again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have sinned Trump said in that tweet don't worry January 20th is fast approaching who ever heard that a president would openly say that to anybody because that is such a statement of MS and defiance because that's exactly what Trump is let's hope Okay, that Obama does not do sanctions against Israel, which really will bring UN totally into the camp of, of Goyg Mogoy, and that uh, Trump will really uh, make America great again. But the amazing thing is that to make Claudius feel great again, and I told you that one of the reasons why he's going to allow Israel to build in the territories, which he's going to do, Jerusalem, the territories, Yehuda, Shamron, you know why? Because that's part of his, his uh, mission. He needs to expand the ability of Israel to have housing so when the Golis ends, all the Jews will have a place to go in Israel. He's got to get rid of that government 
actually maybe the government will help, whatever. But he needs to, ex Israel has to expand, got to get rid of the land administration because they are destroying the ability of people to build in Israel uh, because of the insane policies and so on. We're all getting into that. But he needs to really expand the settlement and the housing altogether of Israel, whether it be the Galil and stop the Arab, incur uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, entry into the, Ga into the Galil and certainly the Negev to build settlements all over the place and so on because there are many many millions of Jews that will eventually move to Israel and that's also one of the key concepts of what Trump has to do is to allow the Golas to return to Eretz Yisrael and therefore he's already saying you know uh, you know you know just wait you know you can build in the territory in fact he's gonna force Israel to build in the territories he's gonna force them and be why because and that's why he has a guy like David Friedman why do you think he has a guy like David Friedman, who w w is or was the president of, uh, I think, Bethel, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's a territory man. He wants to build the territories. Why would he be the president of one of the settlements, right? Because exactly what he wants. So the, the ambassador to Israel himself is for building up the territories. Think about it. It's, nothing is by accident. Nothing is by accident. It's all Yad Hashem. That's the critical thing to understand. This whole thing has been orchestrated by God. And we just merely have to sit back and watch. And the key is to interpret this, what is happening. And we begin to realize that based on the Messianic process, we are seeing Mamish the end, which I feel is Be'itoi. And we're just watching it unfold. So therefore, as far as we're concerned, everybody has to ask himself, what do I have to do to, to improve my Ruchnias, my spirituality? Because that's really critical. You need to do something to increase your spirituality. Whether it means not speaking Lashon Hara, which is very important, making more time for Torah learning, observing more mitzvahs and so on. Because we are really facing... We are really facing the end. The end is very near. And therefore you have to gather as many merits as you can. That's the, the take-home message and so on and so forth, you know. But uh, this is really what I think is happening, uh, you know, to really enormously enlarge the depth of what the UN is all about. Obama, this time I will say Obama, Trump, and, uh, and the whole concept of the Nevu of Goig Mogoik, which is being fulfilled in our time. Let's hope this is it. Now, thank you. And next week, uh, I won't be here. I'll be back, uh, hopefully, God willing, after, after Purim, and we'll continue. And then Obama, Obama Trump will be president for, uh, was it, eight weeks, nine weeks, whatever. So it should be interesting to see what he does. Any questions? Thank you so much. <coughs> <coughs> I really believe in God. That's a big question, you know. What they can completely revert. Well, I don't know if they believe in God, number one. Even though they're, Jews? yeah, reconstruction rabbis. I'm not talking about Jews. The Jews are. Kaplan, Kaplan started it, no. Uh, Kaplan, I think, started the conservative. I don't think he started it. Like, I, I don't remember. Yeah, if he no. Could be, yeah. yeah. It's a complete denial of Torah, Mishinai, uh Torah in general, and even that God has anything to do with the world. Maybe they believe in God, but had, they do not believe in any Jewish God in that so sense, you know? I don't really know. I don't know. I've never attended, so I have no idea. Is that on? Yes. 
I, I really have no idea what the reconstructions are. I just pity them. They said, yeah, because they're all leftists. Yeah. Well, cause they're all about that. I'm not saying that. Well, I don't know which ones it is. Because the conservative, you have to say, I once told you what the definition of a leftist is. What a leftist is, is precast oil. Precast oil means to overthrow the yoke of any type of morality, ethics, you know, and so on, where, hey, I do what I want. That's a leftist shita. Therefore, it's completely anti-Torah. And Reconstructionist is anti-Torah, so fundamentally they're all leftists. In other words, they want, what they want is man is man, he doesn't take orders from anybody, least of all God. And by the way, that's the reason why there's anti-Semitism. You know why? Why is there anti-Semitism? I once said, shh. Why is there really anti-Semitism? There are many reasons. But the real reason is, they don't hate Jews, they hate God. And the Jews represent God's will, so they hate the Jews. And where do you see that? Uh, because the, the Chazals say that Har Sinai, why is it called Har Sinai, the Mount Sinai? Because Sinai means sinner. What do you mean? Why do they hate, why do they hate Jews because of Mount Sinai? And the answer is because that's where the Torah was given, uh, the restrictions and the limitations on behavior, ethics and morality and so on. That's why they hate the Jewish people, the real reason. Then you have the other reason, jealousy and all that kind of stuff. What was that? By the coastal, that they want Well, it's the same. It's all. It's, no, 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 no. It's the courts that. No, no. Yeah, because yeah, the, the courts are all leftists. They're always showing. Look, I want to tell you something. The women of the wall, they're not interested in the wall because they don't daven. What do they care? What they want to do is have legitimacy of the reform movement in Israel. <coughs> That's really what they want. They want they want the reform movement to be legitimatized, legalized in Israel, that they have a say in everything. And what they're doing is using the wall as the as the point of issue. Mm -hmm. You know, but what do they want the wall for? They got Davin. Yeah. They don't Davin. What's the whole thing's absurd? You know what I'm saying? But that's really what it's about. We want to be recognized, legitimate, legal in the state of Israel so we can contend or oppose anytime we want the Haredim. That's what they're looking for, uh, legitimacy and recognition. Yeah. Period. The wall is merely their vehicle. The so vehicle. The court wants to give them well, the court is leftist. The courts are, courts are shown. It's astounding how religious people sit on that court and vote with the court. I mean, the history of the Supreme Court in Israel, not only is it against all... There's no such thing as a Supreme Court like that court in Israel in any country in the world. That court dictate, legislates. You know, court, the job of a court isn't to legislate, it's to enforce the law or to interpret the law. That court dictates the law, which means they oppose the, 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 uh, the Knesset. Hey, I can't believe the Knesset. They're a bunch of weaklings and wimps. What they should have put that put these guys in their place, excuse me, your job isn't to make laws, it's to interpret. Not only that, who voted for them? Nobody voted for the Supreme Court. In fact, they voted for themselves. So how could they represent the state of Israel? This is not, a Supreme Court deciding legislation is anti-democratic. So how do they tolerate this? Because Israel is not democratic. Really, it's not. It's ridiculous what it is. It's not a, but that's not a democracy where the Supreme Court uh, can dictate policy, you know, and, and so on. In America, even in America, it's pretty bad. You have activists, you know, people in the court. But at least in America, basically their job is to interpret the Constitution. In Israel, it's to make the Constitution. Very bad. Okay, anybody else? Say that again? Anybody else? Any questions? Is that it?
the, um, the, the merits, you said that uh, we have to ramp up the Kedusha. Yes. That's for our own merits. The train is moving forward regardless. Regardless. But your status eventually, now that, you, now that we're in the know, Yes. so then our excuse was taken away. Correct. Or you are in the know. Yeah, it's one of the bad things, is everybody here is in the know. So, so, so you and all the thousands of people, somebody told me that uh, the shear that I gave uh, after the elections is up to 33,000. 30,000. 30, 30, past 30,000, yeah. Uh, no, it's 33,600, 700. The problem is they're all in the know. They all know what's about to happen. So therefore, everybody's got to clean up their act. We're very close to the end and everybody has to do whatever he can to increase his spirituality, to increase, which means Torah observance, mitzvahs, right? Uh, and uh, no lush and horror, uh, in all everything, in, in all ways, and, you know, just to become more spiritual, less materialistic, and of course, uh, money's not the thing you go after. It's more ruchnis to go to more shurim, you know, to just to learn more Torah, to get involved in spirituality, uh, to do the will of God, Ratzonabere, you know, and don't say you were not warned. What can I say? Okay, that's it. Thank you. Tremendous. Thank you.